0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. And today we are going to... I don't know where we're going to start, actually. I started out with a strong declaration and I had nowhere to end it. Uh, I think you had some thoughts, Bill, about maybe a place to start, so I'll turn it over to you, sir.
1: We are, in fact, going to start this podcast. whether we Stalling. Whether we like it or not. Are we at an hour yet? So at close. this moment so close talk
0: slower talk slower
1: <laughs> so um actually i got uh got a couple of smaller games uh that we can talk about first uh one of them is called builders the middle ages or the builders middle ages um interesting and it is uh kind of the reason i got it was because i was reading about games that played similar to Splendor, because um, Splendor's always been a good game for me to kind of introduce new gamers, introduce people who don't play a ton of games, but are still somewhat interested in the hobby, Um, and so I was kind of looking specifically on Board Game Geek for uh, a game that had similar gameplay, similar depth, uh, similar style to Splendor. And this one just kept getting mentioned over and over and over again. So I got it. Hmm. And it is, uh, it's a little older than Splendor. Uh, it's not the newest game in the world, but uh, it's a few years old. It's, uh, it comes in a little tin. Kind of think of like um, like the infant child to the, uh, like, forbidden desert tin. Just like... Okay. Honey, I shrunk the tin, kind of thing, and uh, <laughs> and then you have these little mini tin games. And oddly enough, both of the games I got come in mini tins. I didn't even realize they were both from the same company when I ordered. Them. <laughs> so oh, that's funny. Uh, but this this one was uh, it's a mini tin. And it consists of cards. Uh, consists of basically two sets of cards. You have um, these blueprint cards. Which are basically buildings. They're uh, half constructed on one side, and when you flip them over, they're fully constructed buildings. And then uh, they're like kind of larger square cards. And then there's the uh, the worker cards. Okay. And you have like apprentice and journeyman and like uh, master builder and uh, there's like f- four different levels, I think. And uh, basically, it is a Drafting and buying stuff game. It's, all, it, it's very, very similar to um, to Splendor, but but honestly, I think that it is uh, it's a little mathier. Um, so so basically, what you do is on your turn, you have three actions. You can okay. draft. Uh, there, there's a row of, of blueprints, of five blueprint cards out there, and then there's uh, five. Worker cards out there. And each action uh, that you use, you can take, uh, you can draft a building or you can draft a worker. And you have three of these on each of your turns. So you could just draft a couple workers in a building. And then uh, the next person can draft a few workers or draft a couple buildings or whatever till you have like the supply of workers and sort of supply of blueprints. Each blueprint has. Uh, a la splendor has a certain number of different types of resources that it needs to complete like maybe like two stone um a i don't know metal and a something else and something else right there's like uh Uh i this is the worst review of all time i'm sure but uh, (laughs) So, but there's, there's like uh, four or five different resources and each, uh, each worker s- does something. Like um, the apprentice will have two resources, might have like a stone and a tile, or it might have like two stone, or it might have, you know, two, um, whatever the, another one is, two metal or something like that, right? Okay. And like, the, the next level up will have three, and the next level up four, and then the master ones will have five. And some will have, like, uh, like four stone and, like, uh, a tile, or it be, like, three metal and two tiles or something. So there's, there's a bunch of them. And so what you do is and you can use an action to attach a worker to a building. Now, you have to pay for that worker. So the apprentice only costs you two coins, whereas the master costs you five. And once it's attached there, it stays attached until the building's complete. So typically you'd need several workers in a row uh, in order to complete a building and flip it over. When you flip it over, it gives you victory points for the end of the game. It also gives you a bunch of coins, which is kind of how you pay for future workers. Mm -hmm. So... um, And when you get a bunch of good workers and a whole bunch of coins and a bunch of good buildings, and uh, some of the buildings are, are, uh, they call them machines, I call them tools because it makes more sense, um, that kind of act as free workers. So, like you might have like a gigantic table saw or something that acts as like three wood or something like that, right? Um, Hmm. But you don't have to pay a worker, to do it, so it's kind of a free. So you you kind of build this engine a la um, a la splendor, and it's it's a different kind of engine though. It doesn't like you don't just start all of a sudden. You know, every turn just slamming out big things. Right. right. But uh, but because you have so many workers and so many coins, and and you're kind of starting to really build this up, it it gets a lot uh, quicker to to build these larger buildings and get more victory points. And uh, basically, it's a first to 17 victory points wins. And um, I really, really liked it. Um, Kirsten was not the hugest fan. She said she would play it again, but it hurt her brain, which is not what you'd like (laughs) to see (laughs) in a Splendor-type game. And it's not her brain, because I know that she has played Great Western Trail with no problems and she's played you know super dense games she yeah. Orléans and Blackout Hong Kong and like these these much denser Euro-ish games so it's not it's not a malfunction there and I kind of see what she's saying and it does take some, some spatial thought um, to, to kind of hmm. coordinate what you have versus what you're taking because you kind of have to take into account like okay if I take this blueprint, I've got these two workers that could combine. And in two with two workers, I could complete that. Or with three workers, I could complete that. Um, and it, it is very much like, almost like a jigsaw puzzle in a way. Uh, just a different way to, to look at it. So um, I don't think I've found my replacement for Splendor, long story short. But, yeah. uh, but if you are... Looking for if you're intrigued by the way Splendor plays, but you don't think there's enough depth and you don't think it's puzzly enough, you think it's too straightforward, uh, this actually might be a pretty decent pickup for you. Um, and that is uh, the Builders, uh, Middle Ages.
0: Interesting, yeah. That you know, it's funny when you say like your brain feels like a little fried afterwards. I mean, you're close, though, so that's one thing I've felt after Splendor <laughs> is my brain. So you're getting that aspect of Splendor with this one for sure. And they're both actually exactly a 1.8 on BGG for weight. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like on the money, 1.8.
1: Yeah, it's not a complex game by by any stretch, but it is it is strategic. I feel like it's strategically denser. There's more, yeah. there's more puzzle to it than looking, okay, I have this many gems, I can buy that. Okay, I have this many gems, I can buy that. Because in this one, you are coordinating not only all these different cards have so many different resources and some uh, things that are going on, you have to kind of have the the perfect combination of them, but you also have to manage your money because you have to be able to afford to send those workers. So there's that extra layer of the money management piece on top of, Here's what I have. I'm going to buy it. So, okay. So
0: this, what this reminds me of, and like looking at the cards too, the closest that I've played in similarity, like how would you compare this to like, Oh My Goods? Is there, is it similar in feel? I mean, I know, I know it sounds like very different games, but Um, um, the fact that you're kind of like stocking resources, you're trying to collect for the future and build up like kind of an engine to be able to build more sort of reminds me of that
1: at least. I, I could see that it's uh it it definitely I think um, oh my goods is is a little more complex uh, okay. there's there's more in play there um, but I I could see maybe a similar strategic feel as far as planning and stuff goes um, gotcha this this definitely does require more long-term thought and planning uh, than Splendor does for sure, and and oh my goods probably requires a little bit more than this does, but uh, overall I can I could see I could see a, a few broad similarities, sure.
0: No, cool. Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I look at the rating too. Oh my goods, it's like two point two nine for complexity. So, but uh, all right, the search for the Splendor replacement continues. So why did you? You might have said it, and I missed it. Why are you searching for a replacement specifically? Just because or? <laughs>
1: not a replacement. I just I really like Splendor and I really think it's uh it's one of the first couple of games that enters my mind when somebody's like, "Oh, I I'd, I'd like to I think that's really interesting. I think board games are really interesting. I've never, you know, really played it, but I'd like to try it out or hey, let's play a board game." Oh, I've never played that before. What's what's up with this? That's kind of one of the first games that pops into my head where it is it, it's a good soft intro to kind of the Euro-esque model of sure. game. Um, and so I'm always kind of on the lookout for something that is is similar in feel, similar in complexity, uh, something that's easy to explain that way, um, with not a whole lot of rules that you can just jump into and isn't very long, just like Splendor. So uh, it's not necessarily I'm looking for a replacement for Splendor, so much as I'm kind of looking for... For another splendor, like another yeah. another okay. bullet in the chamber, so to speak.
0: Interesting. So, did you know Splendor has expansions? You could suddenly expand your Splendor universe in an instant. Yeah. But I, I I assume you're trying to just have a baseline game.
1: Yeah, I've played. I've I've played, with the expansions. I don't. I don't know, I, I, I kind of always just go back to regular old Splendor. Yeah, standard <laughs> Splendor. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but just I, I always like to have uh, enough of those games on hand uh, to be able to n- not only to be able to introduce somebody and keep them interested, but to keep me interested, too. If I keep introducing the same two or three games over and over to every new player that I play with, then I'm going to get tired of them. Right. I don't exactly. You that. get bored for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I you know, like a- just expand that.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good point and topic. I was talking about this with um, Jeff, actually, last Game Night, about how we're, you know, what our game bags that we bring to Game Night are geared towards, you know, we kind of have to, we're, we're kind of hosting. And so we have to, the impetus is on, on us is to have enough games to have uh, games that are, accessible to anyone who comes to play so experienced gamers versus newbies and so we have like this about half the bag at least is full of games that are just for that purpose and then the other actually it's probably three quarters the other quarter of the bag is just like games that we really want to play that night and then of course we know that lots of people will bring games and we're up for playing those games as well but it's just kind of funny because that is a big consideration of i was looking through my collection the other day and we talked last episode i think about you know trying to pull back on purchasing games And I've really started to enforce myself, buy one, get rid of one. And it's hard, though, because I've built my collection around that idea in a way is that I want to be able to have people come over here or at a game night. And I can easily pull four or five games that I want to play but are also easily accessible as intro games to them. And so I'm looking through my collection trying to figure out what to get rid of. And a lot of them I haven't played in a long time. But I'm like, but one day there will be the perfect scenario for, I don't know. Uh, Citadels.
1: <laughs> I am. I am of the mind that I. I don't understand, and I. I just. I don't understand the the getting rid of games thing. Like I have probably two dozen games that not only do I not like, but I will literally never <laughs> play ever, ever. But Why I do I keep them. Down? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's the collector in me. Like the just. Yeah. I. I. I like. <laughs> Uh, kind of acquiring is almost fills uh, a similar n- need in me and a similar scratches a similar itch as uh, as actually playing the games. Um, and yeah. and and I know that that's fairly common in our hobby, so I know a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, but but yeah, I just like the thought of getting rid of a game, even that I hate, I'm like, oh well, but 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 what if it all of a sudden <laughs> becomes a better game, or what if I I'm in an accident. And I get a concussion, and all of a sudden, I like take that games. <laughs> right? Well, they say your yeah. whole personality can change after head injuries. What if I suddenly <laughs> these are right. my favorite games? <laughs> exactly. What if What if I wake up tomorrow and Carcassonne is all I want to play? It could happen. I guess. Maybe. <laughs> probably not. But, um, and honestly, for me, more more these days, rather than getting rid of games, I. That I don't like, I have had a tendency to turn them into prototyping materials. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I will keep the board and like sticker over it with blank sticker, or I'll uh, you know keep the meeples or whatever, sleeve the cards and that kind of thing, and just have them ready for for prototyping uh, if the game's bad enough. Uh,
0: it's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I totally get that. That is nice to have those resources because a lot of them have really creative ways of doing meeples or they have little pieces that you it'd be expensive to custom order. But I'd also get the idea of holding on. I've been much i become much more heartless about holding on to games. But I definitely have like games that I should probably sell, but I don't. But it, it's interesting because there's they're almost just you know, as our hobby is you know, in the grand scheme of things, a relatively new hobby. I mean, it's decades old at this point, but it's still developing and quite rapidly. And let's say in the last 10 to 15 years, there are just massive jumps. And so it's kind of cool to see these older games. It's almost like a time capsule of design. What was in the. You know, what was in the broader mindset of everyone at the time? What was the hot thing to design around? Or what was the mechanism that everyone was kind of like, oh, this is so cool. We've got to have it, have it everywhere. You know, you have your trader mechanism games from a certain period of time. And those have kind of like existed, but they've they've been sort of intermingled with other mechanisms uh, in different ways now where it's not just a straight trader mechanism all, all the time. And then you've got obviously got worker placement, blah, blah, blah. And so you can kind of trace the history of gaming through your own collection. So I definitely get the idea of hanging on to it for nostalgia's sake if nothing else.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's just I, I don't know. I I find myself all, all the time just whenever I walk by my shelves of games, I just like stare at them. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's usually like it, there's a ton of games I'm staring at that I'm never going to play again. Like right. I don't games I don't like, but I'll still like admire them and just like get lost in their eyes. <laughs> <sighs> you know. I think the- that's a that is not a healthy relationship, I don't
0: think
1: well you know it, uh, you we don't we don't judge i don't judge <laughs> that's um, true
0: that's true who am i who am I to say as as they say exactly um all right, so let's talk about uh a game experience i had i played some unmatched again recently, I think we've talked about unmatched before, but i Yes. Um, restoration games. Yes, Restoration Games, and yes. Unmatched is a game we've talked about briefly before. I was probably pretty new to it when, we, when I talked about it then. Uh, I've played it a bunch since then, and so I think it's worth jumping back and touching base on Unmatched. Uh, if you're not familiar, Unmatched is a head-to-head uh, 1v1 or 2v2, which is kind of cool that you can do teams of two in this game, uh, Game, uh, battle game in cards. Uh, yes, another one. I'm one of the millions, it seems, that are out there. But what makes Unmatched interesting and unique is the intellectual property where they started with the game. So instead of choosing, like, superheroes or, I don't know, pop culture heroes or people, what they started with, probably for budget concerns <laughs> when they were first gauging what other people would be interested in the system of, 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 of a game, is uh, I, uh, legends that are, uh, let's see, public domain. So the first yeah, box that bad. they can... Yeah, the first box they came out with, they came without a four-character box. They, they seem to come out with four characters, two characters, and every once in a while a solo character that they just really love. Uh, the first box they came out with was just called Legends, and it was Sinbad, Medusa, King Arthur, and Alice from Alice in Wonderland. And it was just weird. And part of the reason why I like Unmatched is the fact that they choose sort of odd characters to uh to sell to to include in their box that you can play as so to play the game you choose one of these characters they have a pre-made deck that you play with each deck is specifically designed to that character to be different from all the others it's a very unbalanced game Um, your abilities and the way you work as a character is very different than anyone else and so the fun of the game is discovering how to be successful with that deck Uh, in that character so some characters have sidekicks like alice has the jabberwocky Um, king arthur has merlin medusa has harpies that run around and wreak havoc and uh let's see i don't think yeah sinbad doesn't have anybody with him he's just by himself but there's just a really fascinating way that it isn't just an ip grab in a way for these characters they're like these are free let's use them they really really put a lot of thought into them so Sinbad, yes, he's battling, but he also runs off to go battle on these voyages. So some of his attack cards are actually voyage cards. And so as Sinbad voyages more, he has a histor- he has a history of voyaging in his discard pile. Each voyage card in his discard pile makes him stronger. So he is kind of like you want to be attacking with them, attacking and be aggressive. Um, there are cards like Al or, or Medusa Medusa had, or sorry, characters like Medusa Medusa has her harpies. So her harpies are the ones that are going to be kind of going out, doing damage and maybe dying, but she doesn't really care because she's kind of standing back, shooting arrows at you and letting her harpies do the damage and mess with you. And so that is more of a horde mentality. Then, um, I'm not going to go through all of them, but each character has like a very different way of playing, and this game, which makes this game very unique and very fun to engage with, and it is a very very simple system, so it's extremely easy to jump into. If you've ever played any games at all, much less a battle game and cards this game is going to be really really easy to get into so uh anyway i was playing it again recently uh with a newcomer to our game group or relative newcomer named ramses he's a big fan of unmatched and he brought a few sets that i hadn't tried so i was jumping in with him and i got trounced but i had a blast playing some characters and i just sort of was reinvigorated about my love of unmatched i own a couple series um I own a four box set or a four character box and the Jurassic Park set with velociraptors and the in- gen crew and I love those guys um, and so I just thought I'd do another shout out and kind of mention unmatched again and see if anyone else out there is is playing it like I am or if they have tried it or if not or at least at least encourage people to try it because it's a really fun system have yeah, you had I... a chance to try it? try it yet yeah, I can't remember if you've played it before
1: um I haven't uh, I Watched a whole bunch of playthroughs of it a uh, couple weeks ago. For some reason, I think maybe after we had talked about downforce, I had remembered that uh, Restoration Games did Unmatched. So I yeah uh, watched a bunch of videos on like a bunch of the different sets and kind of got a, a big rundown sort of on on kind of a lot of what's available with that. It looks fascinating. The um, the I really really like. Um, I like card play, but I really mm-hmm. like asymmetrical card play like that. Very unbalanced kind of things like that where um, I think one of the sets was like Bigfoot versus I don't know, Robin Hood or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's very –
0: it's just weird.
1: So. <laughs> where where like the, the characters could not be like any different in the way that they played. And they kind of went through the, their decks and stuff and kind of um, – what they did and and just the the idea of having a one system that is right. so robust that you can have all these different characters that feel different like every deck from what i understand feels different yes and and it's uh it, it it's such a neat concept because so many systems you have okay this is the system you can either be more of this or more of this and that's it so you have like two or three different directions you could go and every character is just sort of a variation on one of those themes and mm-hmm. uh it's it's rare to see a system that that's just embraces uh, asymmetry this that that way so i i'm i'm Looking forward to trying it out for sure.
0: I, would, I always forget what these... It's not a collectible card game because basically you buy a box. It has characters, and each character has a pre-established deck. So everyone's going to have the same uh, stuff when you buy this stuff. So it's not like you're collecting anything. It's it's not living either. It's not a living card game. Anyway, <laughs> so it's... it's a But you can buy all these characters and, and fight anyone against anybody. And, you know, yeah. you mentioned uh, Bruce... Or not Bruce Lee. I'm sorry. Bruce Lee is a one-off. But um, Robin Hood versus Bigfoot. They do when they do like dual boxes like that. It makes no sense that Bigfoot and Robin would like in lore. They obviously don't connect, but you could kind of envision them running into each other in the woods. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who keeps stealing all our picnic baskets and our slim jibs? And uh, and so I really like their take on when they release characters and um, the fact that they you can take one character from a set and try to throw it up against other characters is really impressive to me for a game like this, which is all about imbalance. Um, and, of course, the other thing about Unmatched, which I forgot to mention, is that it's not just in cards. It is an actual physical board. So each set comes with a little character standee. Or not a standee. It's an actual molded character um, that you play with. And so you're maneuvering physically around a small board as well as playing cards to uh, do attacks and other actions and things like that. So that's kind of what makes it special. But yeah, the asymmetry is, is so impressive to me. It's really, really impressive. And um, it just kind of astounds me right now what their point where they are, where they've got, let's see, I think they've got uh, six. I'm going to just count them real quick. Uh, three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh no, nine. They've got about nine sets out right now. And the they i've played mm, about half of them uh and they they are surprisingly good there's definitely characters that seem to be more effective than others but the other ones that are even more difficult to play that you get sucked into the idea of like i know i can win with this i and i'm sure they play tested that this character is winnable and so you get sucked into like playing again and again with this character to like, figure how out how can secret. i do
1: this yeah,
0: how to uncrack the code of it, and it just—they're really fun to play with, and really interesting to be like, well, why did they put Doctor Jekyll in here? Every time he turns to Mister Hyde, he hurts himself, but he's a raging maniac, so he can do a lot of damage. <laughs> why did they put him in here? Like, what is? The, how are you supposed to win with this guy? But it's really—it's just a really fascinating structure. Um, so I just wanted to mention too, wh- uh, kind of what they're doing with it. So. They, they've they done the Legends one, which I mentioned. Cobble and Fog is with uh, Sherlock Holmes, Dracula, The Invisible Man, and uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Those were the two kind of beginning big sets. And then they have uh, Jurassic Park, Robin Hood versus Bigfoot. And then the last one, the big box, which is sort of funny one, is... Uh, oh, no, this is a 2020. Buffy the Vampire Slayer was their first foray into, like, well-known IP. <laughs> <laughs> and I just... You know, whether or not you're – I was a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show fan back I in was the day. too. Very much, and, very much. And uh, so I have some a lot of nostalgia there, and it is based on the TV show characters, not the comic book characters. And um, I just I just love that that's where they went first. They didn't do Marvel. They didn't go into superheroes. They're like, it's Buffy or nothing. <laughs> and I remember the reaction for, like, release – when that came out or was announced, people in
1: the community were like, what?
0: <laughs> Why are they doing this?
1: It's I would such guess, a niche choice. I would guess the licensing was uh, more w- reasonable budget than, uh, oh, yeah. than like a Marvel or a DC or something like that. Um, yeah. yeah. I would, that's what I would assume. This is like, okay, what can we get for $20? <laughs> right. How about, a a really, like this. Yeah. <laughs> how about a really old canceled TV show that was popular? It's got name recognition. Let's yeah. go with that. Let's do Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
0: I love it. I love it. I, I just that's one of the things I just love about it is the the choice that they're the directions they're going with characters. Um they are this year looks like they're going to be coming out with like some Marvel characters. Uh, which of course they are every game gets sucked into the comic book universe at some point or another, but they yep. are also coming out there in this year as well with the second volume of Battle of Legends, which is really, really cool. I love the fact that they're keeping these sort of historical and uh, literal or literature based heroes in this in the in the kind of uh, milieu or the broad scheme of all of these characters and what's really cool is that they are coming up with lesser known ones and so there is uh this one includes Achilles. Um, a chinese um, trickster god i wish i could remember the name and then an african warrior queen from legend 2 and that is so cool that a representation but also the fact that they are uh each of these is going to be different play styles and a and i know like the trickster chinese god is all about like feints and mr x and stuff like that so i'm super excited for that as well but i also love the fact that they're kind of working their way around the world with representation of legends
1: yeah that's neat I'm excited. Yeah, I'm going to I'm definitely I'm it's on my list. I got a big yeah, list I, <laughs> worth
0: checking out. I know you can buy them like uh pretty reasonably priced right now as they come out. One of the things I do not like about the game though, and I think I mentioned last time, is that they are very much guilty of the let's make a big box and put a few things in it <laughs> thing. So it yeah. is that classic very outdated feeling um huge molded plastic insert that it could everything could fit in probably like a third to a quarter of the box. The upside is is that one of the things that they really do well is the box art is just astounding. They really do an amazing job of each box. speaking of just looking at your game collection. Uh, un- my unmatched boxes are actually out. Facing the full face front of the box on my collection, just because I think they're just beautifully done. They they really went where they went the money. They foregoed getting uh, expensive IP, but they did pay artists to do amazing art box or artwork for the boxes, and uh, so they are very nice to display for sure. I just wish they were a lot smaller.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, I so when I. Talked about getting two games, uh, both in little baby tins. Um, and, and I say baby tins, they're not like mint tins, but they're like probably <laughs> a third of the size of, uh, like the, the Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert. Um, okay. So it's a game called, uh, it's a little card game. It's called Conspiracy Abyss Universe. Mm-hmm. And are you aware? You, you know, the, uh, the board game abyss yes yeah uh, underwater really super great artwork uh yeah, yeah amazing artwork yes um so this is in that universe and it's a uh, kind of a baby card game it takes about uh 20 30 minutes uh based in that universe so it's got uh kind of the same art um and the art is really good really really good um it's actually kind of what what made me uh drawn to it but i actually got the recommendation from uh so the dice tower z garcia is doing a series right now that i think is hysterical that is um he's doing uh underrated overlooked games like uh but oh, he's cool. doing them in alphabetical order so he's doing like <laughs> five a's and like five B's and five C's and five D's, and uh, and this was in the on his list in the C's. I think right now, as of this recording, I think he's on like maybe E. Um, so so this one came up, and I'm like, huh, I've never heard of that. I I like Abyss, so let's check right. it out. And uh, and he really raved about it, and uh, it's it is a pure drafting game. Okay. So you uh, you basically you're building like your court of uh, senators or whatever. And you're looking to have the most influence at the end of uh, when you have 15 senators in your Senate. Um, and the, the Senate is in front of you and it's a tableau and it is uh, a reverse pyramid. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. And that's that's how it's built. So when you get a card, you put it in slot one and then it goes across and then down to the next level, down to the next level and finishes with the 15th card at the bottom. Okay. and that's when the game ends. So um, what you do is you you draw three cards uh, from the senator deck and you look at them, uh, show everybody, look at them and you keep one. You put it in your Senate and the other two you discard in one of the five color piles. So there's, there's five different colors um, representing five different guilds for these Senators that you're drafting. And so say you keep a yellow one and you discard a blue one down and a purple one down in their own separate stacks. And then the next player can do the same thing, or they can take a discard pile. So say there's three greens and one in the green discard pile, instead of grabbing... Uh, and drafting from face down, they can just take all three senators and put all three in their Senate. Hmm. So there's kind of a... uh, If you draw the three and look at them and draft, there's kind of a tug back and forth of you don't want to give too many cards to potentially your next to your opponent who may just take a whole pile. Right. Um, uh, And when you lay it down in front of you, it it lets you... does stuff like um, some of them have keys? Uh, and if you get a gold and a silver key, then you can take a location. a Location has powers, and then uh, there's also influence on the senators. And then some of them give out pearls. And there's like a pearl master that gives you five points at the end of the game. And there's just a couple different ways that you you can score these influence points. And basically, by the end of the game. Um, the senator of each color that you have that is has the highest influence is uh, counts towards your influence your total influence points. so if you have a, a a five, two threes, and a one, then you get five for that color okay um, and it's uh it's quick, it's pretty light but uh, but I think there's really good decisions in it and I was uh. Yeah. pleasantly surprised to look through it it was really quick to read through the rules Uh, the rule book's very well done Um, it's easy to understand I think it's very easy to teach Um, it's a nice light filler game that uh, if you like Abyss uh, this is a great one to play between your abyss games (laughs) have you actually played Abyss once I have never played it I've always wanted to it's it's really fun It's, it's 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 dense. It's it's really fun, though. Um, I was terrible at it, uh, and at this point in time, I it's been long enough that I'm not even 100% sure I could tell you anything about it. I just remember <laughs> I really liked it. It is uh, also on my list, oddly enough, but... Well, yeah. not oddly enough, you know? It's it's not odd.
0: <laughs> totally reasonable and expected. Um, yeah, that's cool. I like that. I did like the universe. I Like I said, I've never played it, but I have like drooled over the box art and the game art, like talking about paying artists to make your game really explode uh, and be a eye catcher. Um, the, I think Abyss is, at the time it came out, especially it was just kind of known for it. Just like, wow, <laughs> that is oh, yeah. astoundingly good art. It is beautiful. Uh, I'm glad they've kept it going. Yes. Oh, Bruno Cathala. Was he, did he design, was he involved in the original Abyss? I didn't realize that.
1: Um, I don't, Remember? I'm
0: gonna look it up. Um, I'm gonna look it up right now.
1: Yeah, but if you're if you looked up this game when, uh, while I was talking about it on BGG, then you'll see that the art is the same style. It's uh it's really good art.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it looks really cool. It looks like they definitely kept it kept it going here. Nice.
1: And it's tiny. I, it's tiny too. Like you could take it with you. It's it's even like too small. It's like smaller than the tin it's in uh, by like was... half. So you you could. You could literally just toss it in a plastic bag and take it to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. <laughs> like like one does, you know. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> grab for your many dirty sacks of bags <laughs> and just throw a game in there. and
1: <laughs> Off to the bar with you. <laughs> I, I'm feeling judged again. <laughs> and uh, and it's making me uncomfortable. So <laughs> no judgment, not at all. It's a great idea. <laughs> just make
0: sure you dry off that bag first for uh, if you've washed it, you know, reuse those game bags. They do get gross. Um yes, they do. <laughs> excuse me. I feel like you're on a drafting games kick lately. We've uh, we've talked about a lot of us, uh, uh Draftosaurus, uh, this game. I feel like we've talked about others. I don't know, are you in the mood for drafting right now or you just happen to be coming I- across and playing drafting games?
1: I think I'm just coming across and playing them, but I really like them. So it's kind of like a like a double bonus, awesome, kick-ass deal because uh, right. I I do very much enjoy drafting games and uh, I I I like pure drafting games. Like I I really really love um, sushi go. Yeah, you know it's uh, as far as just pure sit down and. Deal out some cards and draft them that doesn't get any better than that. So, I, uh, I, it's kind of a combination of both, I guess. I haven't been openly seeking them out, but I have not been turning them away when I find them.
0: <laughs> By no means have I been turning them down. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like drafting too, I have to say. It's, it's nice to be like, honestly, it's fun to play, uh, Draftosaurus recently because I, I can't remember the last time I've played a drafting game. And that just felt like so refreshing, <laughs> again because it is a, a new kind of like fun little take on it. But just by itself, drafting is one of those mechanisms that I feel like, like you said, you, you don't. It's not everywhere, but it sort of like pops up, and and uh, certain games obviously base their game around it. But it's just uh, whenever I engage with it, I'm just like, oh yeah, I love this mechanism.
1: Yeah, the one downside I've always seen to drafting um, is that first gameplay. When you yeah. don't know what you're doing, it's hard to know what to draft.
0: Yes, for sure. And
1: and some games, even Sushi Go is guilty of it, you know, when you, you got the, the person you teach it to and they're like, oh, I'm going to keep all the ma- Maki. And they just end up with a handful of Maki and they're like, six points? I'm like, yeah, right. yeah, it's just six points. I don't care how much <laughs> Maki you have, but I have like 18 <laughs> Maki. Yeah, and you get six points. So. All. Yeah, so so like I feel like you have to play any drafting game a couple of times uh, to really understand what it is you're drafting. On the plus side, there are very few. I, in fact, I'm gonna go on a limb and say there are no two-hour pure drafting games. So, <laughs> like, oh my God, can you imagine <laughs> that? <laughs> so it's They're not just like the grind of. <laughs>
0: Just start questioning, like, why are we doing this? Like, What's going what is, on? What, can,
1: my and what are, are we? And... Can I stop? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember never what I ending. took an hour and a half ago. <laughs> I don't know how this helps me. Yeah. Uh, but so, so you never oh, have that God. long to wait. You know, you play a drafting game for a few minutes, it's over, and you're like, oh, I get it now. And you you start it again. Right. So, I mean, that's that's a plus. But, yeah, there's <laughs> – N- yeah. now there is now it's a challenge <laughs> right yeah i dare a designer
0: to make a one and a half to two hour pure drafting game
1: i want to do basically two hours sushi go we're gonna we're gonna make it happen you're just <laughs> drafting from like a a thousand card deck and you just get through the whole thing eventually just like three <laughs> cards at a time yeah oh my god
0: <laughs> no you can't play those cards they're just for drafting just get the best hand and then we're gonna do it again. <laughs>
1: now count up or your points.
0: Even, yeah, it's not even that they're like. It's not even like a series of rounds. It's one round. So there's like 700 cards that you're drafting between the table. <laughs> I
1: can't. I can't even imagine that. <laughs> like, here's here's the first half of the deck. Here's the second half. Okay, all right. I'll just just set them there. Don't, don't stack them too high. Cause uh yeah. All right. Let me just look and through also, these. <laughs> Hold on. Remember
0: what's in your hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah One sec. I got about 150 cards to scan here. Give me a second. I'm sorry. I'm always the slow one in this process. I'm sorry, guys.
1: I got to read all this text, too. It's uh, it's weird they'd have this many right? cards yeah. and
0: so many words. What's happening? Yeah.
1: Oh, well, the interconnectivity
0: would have to be off the charts, too. So just like. Yeah. <laughs> oh. the pain most painful game you can ever imagine (laughs) ever ending drafting but the art is so
1: good though (laughs) if you have a diamond ring shit i don't know do i (laughs) oh god damn it (laughs) now i gotta go look through my hand (laughs) like on me or in
0: my possession like or like or at all do i have it at home
1: give me that stack of cards i just drafted okay is that a dime Nope. is that nope? shit (laughs) i don't remember yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think there's a good reason that's it's not a thing.
0: <laughs> that's cool. Though. I I would love to check this one out. I um I I uh, uh like I said a stick steg- or a dra- steg- I keep wanting to say Stegosaurus. <laughs> Draftsaurus really did like um, kind of uh, get me kind of thinking about drafting again lately, and thinking about my uh, recent plays with dra- of games with drafting elements. So, is this one that you purchased, or you came across it uh, with someone else you were playing with?
1: Which one? The conspiracy? Uh, the abyss uh, conspiracy. Uh, yes, I I bought it on Z Garcia's Uh-oh. recommendation. Oh, right. Yes, this was a Z Garcia yeah. recommendation. It was. Uh, it was on Amazon for like fourteen dollars or something. It was. It was pretty cheap. So
0: nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to, That sounds like a great series. <clears throat> so what? The series is just based on like under the radar games, like games that people didn't like. Yeah. I don't know, flock to or.
1: Yeah, it's just the, like uh. uh it's like Z Garcia's like underappreciated games or underrated games or under the radar games, so, something like that. But it's yeah. uh, each one has a letter in parentheses uh, in the, the video. And so he just goes through and he's like, these are the games in A. Next week it'll be B. <laughs> and I, I think he's just eventually, after a couple of years, he's going to finish this. But, um, so they're coming out like every week or two. Um, okay so it's a really neat series there's uh I, I honestly there's only a handful of games so far uh, and i the like i said i think he's in like e um and there's only a handful of games total that uh, i've seen that i recognized that i even knew right. were games so it's a lot of really under the radar stuff obscure stuff so huh. neat
0: yeah that's cool i'm gonna check that out Check it out. I feel like those are terrible ones, though, if you're trying to like limit your collection. <laughs> those are the worst ones to watch where it's just like secret games no one's ever heard of that do things that are really oh. cool. They're like, dang it. I got to have the How those? Much is it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fortunately, they're all like, they are mostly pretty tiny because Z really likes tiny games. Um, yeah. So they're, but some of them can be tougher to find than others.
0: But... Uh, Unsung Gems, that's the serious name. All that's right. it unsung gems <laughs> yeah i love unsung gems
1: b with z, z. garzia <laughs> <laughs> unsung gems c with z z. <laughs> exactly yeah see he goes through it's he takes a letter of the alphabet and he just like it's uh it's four or five games every every week that he goes through that start with that letter uh, i'm curious to see what he does with like y or z or U. yeah but right <laughs> he's got a while before he gets there so
0: Speaking of games that keep popping up that are not necessarily unsung, but um, uh, that are at least, well, okay, unsung for me. Probably everyone, <laughs> everyone's played them, and they're all like it's old newscast. But at least in my experience, uh, have you seen the game? Is it Castel? It's the game about acrobats. Um, let me look it up real quick so make sure I'm getting the name right. I'm and... unfamiliar with said acrobat game. All right, good. So it's not just that's just me. <laughs> Yes, it is Castell. It's C A S T E L L. So um, this came out. Uh, it has to be a couple years ago now. And uh, a friend of mine was mentioning. Oh, he played. Yeah, 2018. He played it at a convention, and he was just saying like, "Wow, this game is so interesting." It's. It's. Uh, I have no information. This is going to be another CAS review about the game. I know nothing
1: about. But it is... <laughs> those are my favorite. <laughs> You're like, I think there's cards or something, and there's like you. Do uh, it's, yeah. You know, I there's stuff that you do, and it's like it's so cool really <laughs> in, intense. The experience is, yeah. D- don't let me stop you. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh no no
0: yeah. That's you pretty much summed it up. But uh, <laughs> but my understanding of Castell is that it is a game of acrobats, and the cover is. This this kind of like monkey pile of acrobats on top of each other climbing on almost impossible tower of acrobats and you're traveling around I believe and once again this is all conjecture but as it's been described to me you're traveling around and then you're also doing tricks and so you're trying to perform acrobatic feats and that just in and of itself a theme like that is just intriguing to me that they would be like this is something people will pull off the shelves and be like this is the game for me it just it strikes me as such an odd choice. But it also is really fascinating to me, and it's a game that I think because of the theme maybe didn't, like, get really huge or didn't get played a lot. But I keep running into these reviews recently of people being like, hey, picking up Castell again or uh, playing Castell again, grabbing it off the shelf. This is such an underrated game, blah, 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 blah and just sort of singing its praises. And speak, so speaking of underrated games, this is one I'd really, really like to try. Um it looks really
1: cool it's interesting
0: right yeah it's got a really cool color scheme it's like pastels and bright colors the
1: cover is bizarre it's really weird
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's just this giant pile of acrobats trying to climb each other to the sky that's <laughs> just it's an odd choice
1: yeah it yeah it looks
0: yeah And it is, it's all, yeah, it is. It's basically just building that tower, this tower of human acrobats. That's the goal is you're trying to build the biggest tower. And so, I don't know. There's one designer, Aaron Vanderbeek, uh, one artist, Asi Haikala. And it's just like, there's got to be this like project of obsession that they, that Aaron had to be like, I will get this game about acrobats making mountains of humans out into the world and I will do it by God. And uh, through force of will, he did it. But I really want to play this one. This I so if anyone has played this, I'd love to hear any thoughts or any in, uh, input on on the game because um, everyone I've talked to said this is a really cool game with very unique structures and uh, I don't know just 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 an interesting, fascinating approach.
1: I cannot stop looking at the cover. I know it's bizarre. It it's literally blowing me away. I don't understand what's happening. There must be a period of history I mean, I,
0: that that was a, a huge thing. <laughs>
1: yeah it looks kind of like
0: um it's very trippy in a way like it's just like okay uh a tower of people and then you look and there's a sea of people at the bottom of the tower like hoarding towards yeah. the tower and excitement or i
1: don't know competition i'm not really sure I what's don't happening know. looks like they're all melting into each other <laughs> because it's really <laughs> bizarre, like I can't... It's really bizarre. <laughs> yeah huh that's something that is something good old
0: renegade games um, there sometimes they have some really interesting ones
1: they do. Um, okay. Well, I uh, I have one last game that I played, right. um, which is not a drafting game. Uh, it is a roll and write. Okay. And I it was one of the three that I bought like a month ago. Uh, and it was the last one that we have played. And Kirsten and I actually enjoy this. Mm. Uh, we've played it several times now. And it is, uh, we've been putting it off because we've been playing Gunshot Cleaver so much. Oh, right, yeah. And um, And we're just sort of kind of put this one aside and we're like, yeah, maybe sometime. Yeah, maybe sometime. And it's Rolling America. Oh, okay. And it's really good. It's, um, it's very mathy, uh, but it is, it is a fascinating puzzle. Uh, so basically there's this, it, uh, originally the was, um, came out as rolling Japan. Okay. Um, and then there was like rolling the world and then rolling America was like the, the game right version of it. So it's, uh. It's in one of those game right magnetic. Uh, I think it's game right uh, magnetic boxes, uh, kind of like Quixes, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> and it's uh, it's a map of the United States, like sectioned off into different colors. It's like five different colors, uh, six different colors, and you have a bag of dice, and you um, each each color each color section has like. I don't know, seven, eight different, like, sub-boxes inside it. And uh, so you draw two die out of it, and you roll, and whatever the color is, you... um, So, like, say you roll a blue two and a orange three. Then you'd write a two in one of the blue sections and a three in one of the orange sections. Uh, Okay. And um, eventually, uh, the the idea is that you... uh, To neighbor, to write a number, uh, it can only be written um, next to a number that is either uh, equal or has a difference of one. Mm. So you can write a three next to a three or a two or a four, but not a five or a one or a six. Okay. Um, And so you kind of, at first you're like, oh, this is no big deal. But then you're like, okay, you start to understand that if you write a five here. Right you have to have at least a gap of, like, three before you can write a one. Hmm. Okay, sure. And so you start, so so you kind of have to look ahead, and, and you can't just willy-nilly write it, because then there are spaces that you you could theoretically never fill. And those end up being X's. And whoever has the least number of X's at the end of the game is the winner. And so it's uh, it's very spatial, it's very puzzly, um, it's a yeah. fascinating puzzle, and you have these uh, these free. One is a uh, guard. You have three free guard actions, so you can that allows you to place a number anywhere and circle it, and then it doesn't matter. It uh, it doesn't have to follow the rules. Um, and then there's uh, color change. You can do that three times, where you could change the color of a die, keep the number. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's then there's a duplicate. Uh, which allows you, say you roll an orange one, it'll let you mark off duplicate. It lets you put the orange one and then it lets you do the orange one again. Which is kind of handy sometimes to like fill in a, a space or to uh, to get, you know, to kind of race ahead from some of somebody. Sure. Uh, because anything that's not filled in, and like say you fill in all your blues, okay. you no longer have to follow the blue die. If the blue die rolls and you can't place it, then nothing happens. Um, but anything that's left over, uh, as a blank at the end of however many rounds, it's like four or five rounds, or maybe it's eight rounds, I think it's eight rounds. Um, then you have to put an X in any blank spots. Huh. So you want to fill up as much as you can, but say, say there's no place for you to put a blue two and a blue two rolls. You have to take it and you just put an X somewhere in blue. Hmm, okay. So, um, it, we uh, I got 10 X's like three times. Kirsten got, I think, 11, 10, and nine. So, like, I beat her once, we tied once, and then I think she, she beat me once. So, huh. she improved. I literally learned nothing, <laughs> uh, from, from my whole ordeal. So, uh, I'm a slow learner or something, but uh, but I, I really, really enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was fascinating uh it's very brain bending in a different kind of way yeah. than shown was so oh, cool yeah i love little
0: roll and write quirk quirky little games like that that one looks pretty pretty interesting too i like i do like that so I- each yeah. color area you have to like yeah i'm just trying to think in my head of the strategy then so the as the color areas abut each other that still abides by the same number adjacency rule with like plus one or
1: correct yeah okay Interesting. So what I tended to try and do is extreme numbers kind of off to themselves. Like if I had a six, I'd try and put it kind of as far away from everything as possible. And then if I got a five, I'd try and sort of build out from there. Sure. Um, ones obviously need to go as far away from sixes as possible. Um the the real key that and and what I feel like is the puzzliest part about it is when to use uh, the color changes and when to use the guards because the guards can really really save you if you save them till later in the game but they can really help set you up early by getting kind of getting you out of a jam early so hmm. there's uh there's really that that interesting sort of play of when do i use this when do i color change when do i you know just go ahead and say all right i'm just going to use that or is this the time because you only have three yeah of each so uh so they're they're good lifelines and they're they uh, i really like the fact that they have them but uh but it just adds an extra layer
0: yeah oh interesting huh that's a cool one all right, you can travel America by filling in numbers.
1: Yes, <laughs> I should call it mathing America, but yeah. that didn't sound as, as fun. It's a weird. Um, yeah, and I, we were so hesitant to play it, too, because even though I bought it because I'd watched it, and I'm like, this looks really neat, it just, I don't know if it's the color scheme or it's the fact that it looks like you bought it at, You know, Dollar General in the seventies. It does look like a gas station or or, (laughs) game. Yeah, yeah, right. So so I was, yeah. So we were really like not excited (laughs) to play it, but but it actually was was a lot of fun. It uh, it surprised me. Put this on my surprise list. Uh, I've been I really have been playing a lot of and enjoying a lot of Rollin' Rights lately. So
0: yeah, well, Game Right does a really good job. This is a good one. just yep. by the brand or the uh, producer, publisher alone, you could probably say that it's going to be a good one. So that's cool. I'll, I'll check those one out too. I love Rolling Knights as well. All right. Well, I think we did it. That is our Thursday edition. No, it's always Thursday. <laughs> that is our recent edition. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm- calling an addition here i'm kind of fumbling at the at the end but uh i think that'll do it for us everybody any final thoughts i think kaz is tired tired all of a sudden
1: (laughs) i am tired (laughs) so tired Uh, yes um no i uh i that's this is good i have something i want to talk about next week but guess what what next week i mean you probably know so you could guess but the universal you guess what uh next week we're gonna have a couple of guest stars Mm -hmm. interview ease um co-hosts what have you um let's go with co-hosts there we go let's just let's just do that yeah um donnie and Corey of um uh, (laughs) concept medley games i think we're both tired (laughs) nailed it. Uh, yeah, yeah I fell asleep just now, so bear with me. <laughs> what day is it? Um, yes, yeah, so Donnie and Corey of Concept Medley Games uh, have agreed to come on and talk to us about one of our raging questions from last week, which is, uh, at what point and how do you play test the fun? Yeah. Uh, when does it become... Like, when do you start shifting the focus from is this game playable to would I play this game? Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to pick their brains. Uh, and hopefully in just it'll bring out a good stimulating conversation all the way around. So Yeah. Um, yeah. So now, now uh, there's a, probably an off-off, slight-off chance that it doesn't happen. Uh-huh. Um, everybody, you know, the real world has scheduling conflicts, but we're 99% sure that's what you're going to hear next week, so stay tuned. Yeah, that'll be a fun episode. It's fun, always fun to have those guys on, and if it doesn't
0: happen next week for some reason, I, we'll have them on very, very soon, but for but uh, yeah, it'll be exciting to have those guys on and uh, chat on the cast. So, until yes. then, guys, you can get a hold of us, of course, and uh, let us know your thoughts and uh, any games you're playing. I'd love to hear kind of anyone's... And Actually, I'd love to hear if anyone has played Castell... And... Uh, their thoughts <laughs> thoughts on it uh, of the game, because I'm so fascinated by this game that I've never played. And I did look it up. It is a thing in Catalonia that happens in festival every year. It's like what they're known for for the festival is giant human towers. It looks terrifying, because they're like six or seven people high, which is like, you know, that's, that's pretty high up in the air for that top person.
1: That is pretty high. And they're all like contorted, all weird. Right, yeah. Like rubber people. Yeah, it looks awful. The it looks straight, horrific. Straining. It looks like some sort of like <laughs> torture thing (laughs) right (laughs) but like apparently they're doing it for fun i guess which i mean i don't judge yeah but yeah i'd be cool to see but
0: uh yeah but uh yeah everyone if you want to get a hold of us in any way let us know of course at uh, twitter and instagram at roasted games one You can also reach out to us over Facebook and, of course, at our podcast hosting page, eavesdrop.com. Scroll down to the Roasted Games page and fill out a comment form there. We would love to hear from you guys. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see you on the next episode. So until then, we'll catch you on the next one. That's redundant, but there you go. (laughs) I am so tired.
1: (laughs) Bye, everybody.